Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We're both writers over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Check out all of our stories. We write quite a bit more than we podcast. Uh, lots of stuff coming as Michigan faces, well, its first its first big game of the season as it travels to Madison to take on number 13, Wisconsin. Wolverines are ranked 11th. I'll be there on the scene. You can, and as will Josh Newkirk from our site, check out all of our stories uh, before, during, and after. Uh, certainly, no matter what happens, there'll be plenty of stories after as well. And so, um, big matchup, big matchup. But Steve, <laughs> we're going to talk about a few things that we that are on our mind about this matchup, and we're going to do our over under and then a score prediction. But before we do, <laughs> we were talking about this before the show. Um. Can we can we real quickly like succinctly dispel the idea that this is Michigan's biggest game since X or a must-win game for Michigan? Not that this isn't a big game, and not that this isn't a quasi-must-win game, but but I feel like I've been seeing that a lot, um, you know, from different publications, different national pundits. You know, this is this is for all the marbles. It's it's actually really not. And I don't mean that to say it's not a big deal, right? Don't don't get the dichotomy in here. There's somewhere in the middle. But if you look at Michigan's schedule and where teams are ranked and where they play teams and which teams they're playing, this might be right there with Notre Dame as the most losable game on Michigan's schedule. And not not in the sense that like they sh- you know they're not, obviously not going to try to lose. It's not a good look if you lose. But a road game against a top 15 opponent, teams lose those games all the time. Not in your and, division. Yeah, not in your division. A top-tier opponent. I mean, if you are actually thinking about what Michigan's goals are this season, next week's home game against Rutgers is more of a must-win, vastly more of a must-win, than a road game at Wisconsin. And a home game against or a, a you know trip to Indiana, a trip to Maryland, um, home game against... I don't know, anyone, anyone else, really. A road trip to Illinois is more of a must-win. Because if you lose those, then your season's in doubt. Wisconsin, and we'll talk about it. I mean, you're still going to know what you have with Michigan, I think, at you know this time, or depending on what time you listen. By Saturday evening, you'll know what you think of Michigan football. But, yeah, I I don't know. You, you, had, you had frustration about it. I had frustration. Like, enough with this build-up. As far as, I mean, I get building up the game, but enough with the, I think you said it best, it's, the the fate of Western civilization is not on the line in this game. You know, Jim Harbaugh's career isn't even on the line in this game. Michigan's season isn't on the line in this game. Hard hard sell to open the show with downplaying the <laughs> game, but I want to downplay the narrative. Not necessarily the game, cause it's a huge game. Awesome matchup, really looking forward to being there. Uh, this is this is these are the kind of games I like to cover, and these are the kind of games the players commit to schools to play. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It's just kind of a familiar song and dance, I suppose, where Michigan is just win or lose. Either they're the, they're the best team in the world and they're back, and it's it's they're they're heading to the playoffs, or Harbaugh can't win a big one, choke job classic Michigan I get there's a lot of frustration with the fans and and I get that it's kind of an easy pinata to hit 
if you're a if you're a national pundit who makes a living taking shots at, at different teams and, and things, but yeah, I I think you and I are on the same page there. It's just it just gets old. I mean, it's it just let it be a good football matchup. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. Well, that'll that'll never be what it is to a lot of people. I mean, it, again, it's just it's it's tiring. We're going to be doing this every other weekend if this is any indication True. of, you know. And again, yeah, it's a big game. It's a huge game for Michigan. But it's no bigger of a game than it was six months ago when you found out that they were, well, I mean, these schedules were decided years ago. But uh, it was no bigger. it's no bigger of a game now than it was at the end of last season because the goal since the beginning of the year has been to win the Big Ten Championship. And yeah, like you said, it's not even a divisional matchup technically, uh, but you know maybe for playoffs it's important. But again, Michigan's schedule is just so much more difficult than a lot of the other contenders. I'm interested, you know, and that'd be down the road. They're gonna have to win a lot of games to even be in that conversation. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just this whole like you know the fan base is, continues to like eat itself on social media. Is is it's nauseating? Uh, the same on the message boards. Um, you know, I don't know. Like people think maybe need to breathe a little bit. You know, I think Michigan needed to play a game last week, another cupcake. I think that would have calmed everyone down a little bit too. I, probably, you know, probably would. Ah, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't go well, that far. But, but, it, it calmed I mean, some people down, maybe. But both um, teams were on a bye week. There was a two week build up. Wisconsin looks like world beaters. They look as good as they possibly could look. We'll discuss more about that in a moment. Michigan kind of limps into the bye week. I could see where, I'm, I'm, you know, I haven't really been engaging much with Twitter or the message boards because I like to enjoy bye weeks, uh, take them for what they are, especially when they're this early in the year and the sun's still out and there isn't basketball to cover. But, yeah, I think I think it's just, I don't know, what do you think about, like, the the state of the Michigan fan base and the fact that, I mean, they need a morale booster, it, it seems like, in some, some way, shape, or form. I mean, I don't know. I think by and large, and again, try not to give too much attention to the vocal minority, but I still think mm-hmm. by and large the Michigan fan base remains a very insecure and sensitive fan base as a you whole. You said it, and you're right. Um, <laughs> that's why they continue to react. You know, you have the the pundits, the same ones who sit, say this. Hey, how many times? Not to, you know, not to give him any attention, but a guy like Feinbaum. How many times has he said that this is a must-win game for Jim Harbaugh? This has got to be about the fifteenth game that we've heard him him specifically, let alone others who, uh, you know, say this week in and week out. Uh, I think a lot of these pundits have have realized and and un- understand that Michigan fans are going to react, so they use that, you know, by just making outlandish like just saying stuff that they know is going to rile people up like that one moron who said that Michigan would be the fifth best team in the big East, the big 10 East after Maryland beat Syracuse. You know, I mean, uh, I don't even remember who it was, but people like that. I didn't hear that one, but sure. Yeah. Well, you know, just typical Mary, you know, Maryland beat somebody. Now they're all of a sudden they're great. You know, and then they lay an egg against temple. So, you know, just, but that was fully designed just to get a reaction out of Michigan fans. And it did, and it worked, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Um, so that's, you know, I think that's really where it's at right now. And again, like I said, and I think we, we would agree very, very big game for Michigan this weekend. No doubt. I think it's bigger for me. It's almost bigger from a let's, let's see 
some tangible because there, there's no doubt i mean the game against army was a disappointment no matter how you cut it no matter we underestimated army no doubt about that we you and i did preview in the game i think mm -hmm. i think a lot of people like uh but at the same time i mean there were some clear deficiencies that michigan need to work on particularly offensively so i think saturday i think the biggest thing is you want to see if they've made any headway in that regard because there's here's the thing i mean we could be on here on saturday or sunday uh talking doing our post game pod talking about how they did lay an egg and how you know maybe there is there are some reasons to be concerned in the big picture right so it's not like there's not things that we're not going to learn in this game or that there aren't things that we're looking for but you know it's really more about this yeah it's this just whole like yeah this is the biggest event in the history of the Michigan football program on Saturday you know as if like <laughs> literal buildings will crumble if Michigan cannot win this game and that you know, history will forever be changed, like, type stuff. It's just, it's so uh, grand and, like, just, it's just, it's annoying. It's it's incredibly annoying after a while. It's annoying uh, as a writer, personally. It's, I'm it's not just be, it's, it's become yeah. It's become yeah. harder and harder to have rational conversation about the program. With, now, social media, that's a lost cause, right? I mean, <laughs> I think we can agree there. But even, like, just on the board... Um, there's a many, there are a lot of people out there you can have rational conversation with about it, but there's just, uh, you just lose, you know, by and large, I just think that it's the ability to just have a rational conversation about the state of the program or what we think the direction of the program is, is, you know, I think it's sick. It's eroded. Cause if you say anything positive, then it's, you know, then you're a sunshine blower or, you know, like we said, like like what we've said about this game, how it's it's a big game, but it's not like this world-changing event for Michigan, at least, even within the context of this season. People will say that we're making excuses in case, you know, given the, the chance that they may lose the game. If they lose the game, then we're just setting it up by making an excuse that, well, hey, it's not the biggest game on the schedule this year. You know, it's not that, you know, don't worry, it's not that big a deal, you know. And so it's just... You can't have that. Those conversations, those conversations are few and far between. I like to have those kind of conversations. I, I like to talk about where things are at in the big picture, you know, what the direction is. But it, you know, it's like you can't. If I thought the direction of the program was positive, still, you'd be. There's a growing segment that you would, would shun you, and and claim that you're just making excuses or that you're just, you know, a a puppet of the program or whatever the hell they say now, you know, it's like, there's so many different phrases or whatever the people like that will use. But, um, so yeah, great start to the pod to completely downplay. Like you said, downplay the impact of this great game between it's a very, two, very, two good very teams. big game. No, two good teams yeah. and a great, great venue. Madison's an amazing town. Ben spent some time there before and it's a great college town. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't even know what the name of the year. Oh, uh, Camp Randall. Camp Randall. One yep. of the best venues in the country. So should be a should be an exciting Saturday. And that's that's kind of what I was saying toward the tail end of my opening rant. Is it's a great football matchup. It's a cool atmosphere. A great game. Uh, good versus good. That's what you're looking for. Let it be that. It doesn't have to be. Harbaugh's job is not on the line. I love I love that my favorite tweet someone said um you know i've been a season ticket holder for for since 78 or whatever can't remember which year they said so 40 years and uh you know i'll, I'll support michigan no matter what but realistically how long is jim harbaugh's leash it was like what is going on here uh you know do other schools have this where 
each game, every time they face a ranked team, it's like, every, you know, everything's on the line. Maybe, maybe I just am oblivious, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel, it, these these kind of matchups should just be fun. Uh, right. the, well, the whole... there, here's, the, here's the thing, though. I mean, I get it that, you know, Harbaugh's being paid a lot of money and the expectations are super, super high at Michigan like they always should be, but... Like I said, it's going to get to the point where we're going to be doing this every. We're this will be the storyline heading into the game every single week. You know, Iowa, like you, Notre Dame, I, yeah, Notre Penn, Dame State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, State, and Ohio State. Ohio, yeah, yeah, you know, and and again for the last two, maybe irrational, you know, especially the last one, we wouldn't deny. Yep, yep. the last one is that, fair. Yeah, yeah, completely fair. You know, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's just it's holy Jesus, man. Like chill out. Some people just people just don't breathe. They're out for blood all the time. Um, if they had lost, uh, if they had lost to Army, then maybe it would be, then we might actually be having a legitimate conversation about that. You know, is the big picture because yeah. one loss, well, another loss, two losses. You had right. any playoff aspirations are are going to be gone. You know, Clemson plays nobody, so you know they're going to get in and. Uh, you know the SEC will get one, hope, and and likely for them too, probably the way that things always seem to go. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually this will be a. I'm actually looking forward to this game. I think it's an interesting clash of styles, as it usually kind of is. Yep, yep. So I'm gonna have a uh, five things to watch or five things to know about Wisconsin. Then I'll have five things to watch from Michigan that I'll be keeping an eye on and and seeing how the game unfolds, but. Uh, Steve, what matchup? Let's do position group matchups. I mean, where where are you the most intrigued? Because I think we both said it. You're going to know a lot more about Michigan football by the end of Saturday than you do right now. Every everybody is, you know, whether it's the offense, who are the security blankets? What is their offensive scheme when they are expecting a battle? You know, and what is the what does Shea Patterson look like? healthier on the road against a great team what does you know this defense Don Brown said he didn't feel like he could play Michigan defense until until this game you know there's a lot of a lot of different things going on there I guess what what is one matchup that you're really looking at zeroing in on and saying I am so fascinated to see what Michigan for better or for worse but what Michigan brings in this matchup I mean, I, I guess the question I keep asking myself as far as this game goes is, is Jack Cohn for real for Wisconsin? I, I I don't know what we've learned about Wisconsin, honestly. And I'm not trying to downplay what they've done so far because they've done really what they have were supposed to do, and it's it's been impressive. But South Florida's lost, I think, eight or nine straight games by an average of 20 points. And Central Michigan was 1-11 last year. And this weekend, they're a 30-point underdog to 0-2 Miami. I mean, again, they did everything they're supposed to do. You know, and, the, and the, you know, no hiccups or, you know, they've been kind of steamrolled both teams. But, you know, I, how much can you take out of playing a pair of teams that really just are that poor, I guess? Um, so, you know, for me... The consensus, as it always is, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't going to be a, uh, you know, because I know Michigan actually, for a couple of years there under 
Brown did a great job of, you know, Saquon Barkley really never did anything against Michigan except for the the one game where he, the big game in 17. You know, the two other games he played against Michigan, he was a complete non-factor. I don't expect that to be the case with Taylor on Saturday. So for me, I think the biggest thing I'm looking to see is if, is, is Jack Cohn like legit or was he just feasting on some, some poop teams? You know, because Michigan yeah. by far presents the biggest matchup and uh, problem for them in the passing game. And Don Brown just seems to eat quarterbacks like this for lunch. I mean, he's not a runner. He's he's no threat to run. No. I want to say his rushing stats are, are negative because he's been he's, – it's all sack uh, yardage, right? I think he's – I think he ended up being positive. He's not a runner. Um, By the way, real quick, if I could throw some stats into to further your your question – so, so far this season, he's 45 for 59 right. for 562 yards, almost 10 yards per attempt, over a 76% completion rate, five touchdowns, no picks. I looked it up because I did this positional breakdown against Northwestern, Penn State, and Miami last year, the three teams he faced with a winning record. Cone completed. Now, granted, some of this was spot starting, right? And he was still pretty young, and they expected Hornerbrook to be the guy. But in those three games, he completed 35 of 62 passes. So we're looking at, like, what, 56% completion rate? 291 yards, so less than five yards per attempt. Two touchdowns and three picks. Right. So it's uh, my guess, obviously, somewhere in the middle. But, yeah, that's a very interesting question that will be answered is, is Jack Cohn, what does he look like against a defense like Michigan's? Isn't that kind of, like, it's funny, though. It's like Wisconsin – in both basketball and football, don't you feel like that's like you could almost say that's the question almost every year? Like if Wisconsin, it's funny, man, because I feel like they're the program. If they'd ever just had a total stud at quarterback, well, when they had Russell Wilson for the one year, you see what mm-hmm. they did because they've always yeah. their run. They've always, always, always had a great running game, you know. And I feel like I feel like if I was a stud, well, we'll see what Graham Mertz turns into. You know, top one hundred kid that. Yeah. committed there as a true freshman. I, he'll eventually be the guy someday. We'll see what he turns into, but it feels like they've always been a quarterback away. You know, if Jack Cohn comes in and lights the world on fire on Saturday, Michigan's in big trouble. I mean, because Jonathan Taylor's that good. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do, if their passing game does anything to help him, then Michigan's really going to, they're going to be in trouble on Saturday, no doubt about it. So, uh, but yeah, but at the same time, though, it's, it's really truly a kind of a first-year starter in my mind. I don't know about you. I mean, yeah, he started a couple games last year, but I look at this like the first year where it's really his team. And Don Brown just seems to just, like I said, eat guys like this for lunch. Um, you know, not to – again, we'll see. But I don't know. It just seems like a decent matchup for Michigan's defense. Again, because Taylor's going to do his thing, I think, to an extent. Mm-hmm. But I just – I'm just interested to see what Cone looks like. I just want to see if he's capable of of throwing against Michigan's defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big matchup for me, also Michigan's defense. Well, I guess we'll talk about the offense because we have to. But I, I, I really, Don Brown seemed legitimately, genuinely excited when we met with him about a week and a half ago about the prospect of just being able to play four down linemen, more traditional Michigan defense and it's funny because the players it's i think uh donovan jeter and josh metellus both of them we talked to them earlier this week and someone brought up a question of you know don brown said you know you guys spent a lot of time with that triple option oh and zordich said it too and they're all just sighing 
Like, I mean, obviously Michigan spent exactly as much time as it needed to working on that triple option offense, given how well it did. Any less, who knows what happens. But, um, you know, between that and Middle Tennessee's 10 personnel, it's it's interesting. I'm just curious to see what the defensive line looks like because it hasn't been full strength. And they ha- and against Army, it was, it was three. It was a three-man front. You know, and, and we've talked about the strength of the defensive ends. Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay are big guys. Do they move inside, maybe create a fast, undersized defensive line? Not just in the pass-rushing situations, but, you know, just to get Uche and Mike Dana on the field more. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. You know, and Donovan Jeter was maybe the most hyped guy not named Mike Sainer still this spring. Does And he's he's back to everything. Does he explode onto the scene? I you know the fact that he was made available to reporters this week suggests that Michigan thinks he could, and so yeah, I'm very curious to see how they do. Uh, for those curious, I think most people know Wisconsin's offensive line lost four starters. It's still a good offensive line. Their interior guards averaged 325 pounds. The tackles: Cole Van Lannen, Logan Bruss. They're seen as future NFL caliber tackles. Van Lannen actually pushed for um, starter snaps last season on what was a very good Wisconsin offensive line. So, yeah, uh, this is this is probably the best offensive line Michigan will face all season. Iowa's up there. Notre Dame's probably up there, and Ohio State is too. But this is a big test, and we'll know right away. You know, we've talked about the biggest concern Michigan has right now might be that defensive line interior. We'll know right away if that's a big problem if it's just a weakness they have to shore up or or who knows maybe with Jeter back with another week of development maybe there's there's something brewing there uh, that's a big matchup for me I agree I think uh I also think you know sticking with the front seven I think this is a I wrote this in my five players piece a few days ago I think that this is a big game for Hudson too um he's played well but I think he's been a little inconsistent I think um, it's it's there's been this question. We've talked a lot about him bouncing back after, you know, again, kind of an inconsistent 2018. And, and to be honest with you, I think so far, I think the jury is still out as if he's going to really make sort of that return to the end of 2017 form. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a, in a game where Wisconsin obviously going to try to establish the run. I think, you know, I think they're going to test Hudson – as far as his decision-making goes, you know, and, and try to put him in, in spots where he has to... I think uh, Seth from MGO Blog, give them a quick plug on their his neck Sharpies piece, mentioned that, you know, Hudson's much more of a downhill type guy, not a read-and-react type player. You know, I think that Wisconsin could try to exploit that. So mm-hmm. I think he's another guy that I'll, I'll be keeping a really close eye on on Saturday to see how effective he can be because, you know, I think, again, you know, they're going to need it. I mean, everybody in the front seven is going to have to play an A game. Well, everyone in every position ever is going to have to play their A game to win any <laughs> every, game. Every game ever. ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what I mean, though? I think there's a little more of an onus on a few of those guys this Saturday just because, again, you it goes both. We talk about Cone having a good game that could open it up for Taylor. But, yeah, if Taylor starts breaking runs, it's going to open up. It's going to make the passing game a lot easier for Wisconsin, too, right? It's push-pull, push-pull. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the well, front side has got to do got... their thing. They've got a couple things that can keep the Michigan's defense guessing. They have 
five pass catchers, I believe, who can get 500 yards. And Danny Davis, A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, um, Quintez Cephas, who missed all of last season. Uh, I believe Davis missed the Michigan game. If it wasn't one of the other ones missed the Michigan game, uh, and then Jake Ferguson at tight end. And then Jonathan Taylor, can, he already has three receiving touchdowns this game. Now, does he do that? That's the that's the big question. Do, all these Wisconsin stats, do they do this against a team that, that's a little bit better? Hard to tell. But, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting throughout Michigan-Wisconsin history. Some years they're able to shut someone like Ron Dane down. Other years they're not. And I think the big thing is... It's kind of like when basketball, if you're playing a team where there's a player who scores 25 points a game in college, and you're like, well, how do you shut this team down? It doesn't necessarily mean holding that guy to zero points. It just means holding him to an inefficient night and trying to control everybody else. Because I think if, they, if they're able to just make Jonathan Taylor look so-so, like a five yards per carry kind of game and maybe 110 yards, you can still win. Because Wisconsin's probably going to need 350, 400 yards to win. So it depends on where it comes from and how efficiently it comes. But um, that's a big matchup. We should switch to the other side of the ball. You know, I wrote after the Army game, whatever speed and space was supposed to look like, I, I don't think it looks like what Army's what the second half against Army was. 27 carries to 14 rushes. I'm sorry, 27 carries to 14 passes, 2.4 yards per carry. I know that they were doing things schematically different, but the the end result was awfully familiar uh, for Michigan fans who have been watching the team for the last decade. I don't know what the what the scheme or the game plan was then, but Wisconsin they don't have a great secondary. I think it's a it's an okay secondary compared to the front seven. This is a game where you got to air it out, and I th- I think you know if Shea. I don't know the extent of his oblique injury. He talked about it on Tuesday. Did write about what he thought of it. But, um, you know, this is this is where if Michigan is going to pass more, whether speed and space means pass more or not, but if they're going to go sideline to sideline, go vertically, go horizontally, you know, try to take some risks, try to be a big play offense, they got to show it against Wisconsin. Otherwise, I don't I don't know when when we're going to see it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very curious thing. I'm curious to see which receivers are targeted the most. I'd expect Ronnie Bell based on what we've seen so far. Do they find a way to get Nico Collins the ball more? Are they are they doing five-yard throws, 10-yard, 20-yard? Are they going sideline still? Or are they starting to work it more toward the middle to play to P- Shea Patterson's strength? Does Shea Patterson run and scramble? Do the speedy receivers, who can probably outrun everyone on Wisconsin's defense, do they get a little bit more run in this game now that they've had that extra bye week, a couple more weeks to to get acclimated to the college game, Steve, I got a lot of questions about the offense. If you couldn't tell, I, I, it's just such a such a fascinating matchup because I I think Michigan's going to be, you know, it sounds like they're going to have their O line full strength. They're going to ha- they had two weeks to prepare for this. Um, I think it's you know, world's not falling. Western civilization isn't going to crumble, but I think it's time for Michigan to show that its offense is different if it's going to show that this year. Yeah. I mean, with a bye week, absolutely. And like I said, I think, you know, I, yeah, that's where coming out of this game, like you said, we're going to know more about them across the board than we have the first two weeks combined. And I think that's kind of the biggest area, right? I mean, 
you at some point again it, it is a it is a new offense i think i think we maybe all were a little guilty of maybe overlooking that despite the experience and talent that there still is going to be a transition period in learning a new scheme you know regardless of the, if some of these guys have played in something similar or even coached in something similar but yeah i mean this like you said i think this is a game they can i mean scott nelson out for wisconsin starting nose tackle out i mean they're really their injury situation i think is more dire at this point than michigan's is almost uh at least because we're michigan we'll see if donovan peoples jones does play or doesn't play you know michigan still has a great group of receivers and guys they can throw the ball to scott nelson was a pretty key piece of their uh back four and so you know, I, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, I, I you know, the more you watch the Army game, which painfully had to watch that a few times, painfully just because it was just very monotonous, really boring game to watch. But it it really just looked like Michigan was playing like their offense had one hand tied behind its back throughout the entire game. It was just it's a very bizarre game to go back and watch. Which makes no sense because I know some people were saying, well, you know, were they they holding back? I don't know why you're holding back when you're down seven, you know, like that. It was it was strange. It does lend itself that Patterson may not have been 100% because like you said, it, it got to a point where you kept waiting to like it felt like that they were trying to set up for something we may have talked about this last week but it kept it felt like they kept trying to set something up but then it never happened you know and the only time they really started to aggressively throw the ball was in the uh first overtime that was really the only i mean what what three three straight passes right none of second which were overtime really even, yeah second overtime sorry none of which were really even close you know to the mark or whatever so I think you, the more you look back, the more it does lend itself to Patterson not being 100% healthy. So that's where it, that's where you say, okay, he meets with the media this week, says he's 100% ready to go, ready to make a statement. That's one thing that I do agree with pretty much everybody, whether it be the vocal minority or whatever, Where and what you just said that, yeah, I think it's time now to to sort of see that and see what this – because, again, there's, there's too many – there are too many talented players – at every position on the offense for them not to, you know, I, I guess, how do I, I guess the best analogy I can think of is you feel like that they're one of these Saturdays, they're going to come out with like a Michigan versus Texas A&M in the sweet 16 type game where they just are clicking on all cylinders and are hitting all their passes and making all the right decisions. You know what I mean? There's just too much talent for them not to kind of put it together. And, and like you said, coming off of a bye week coming off of a week where the quarterback appeared to have not been 100%. And then also, again, I think the noise does play a factor. Michigan, I think Michigan, offensively especially, should just take a page out of Michigan State's book as far as everybody's crapping on Michigan. You know, it's I know it's fashionable to do. I know a lot of it's for the fan reaction, but it still is happening. You know, and I think these guys got to come out a little bit angry, angrier than they normally would. You know, and I think, you know, there's be an opportunity here to make to make a statement in a game where oddly, in my opinion, there are a lot of people who, who don't think that they're going to to win. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably enough of the of the individual matchups. We can go and jump into our over unders. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. 
From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I have to go pull them up. Of course, they come from our good friend Neil. Uh, here we go. Oh, so far, by the way, this season, I have the slight lead. I am 17 out of 26. You are 15 out of 26. So, still competitive. Army. Yeah, I beat you by two in, in Army. Um, okay, 0. 0.5 quarterback fumbles on offense. Neil is not ho- pulling punches. I'm going to say under. I, I think... What's what's the button in Madden where it's like the protect button when you're running through the line? Like I think I think Michigan's on a very high alert. Uh, I know Shea Patterson joked that he was sleeping with the football in his arm and, and taping it up and things, but in all seriousness, I, I think it is a little. I think they're taking those drills a little bit more seriously because that's you know it's not on Shea Patterson, but. In two of the fumbles, I think if he tucks it just a little bit sooner and realizes what's happening, I don't think he's fumbling the ball. So I'm going to say under. I'll say under as well. One thing I actually, I could answer this. I could say something real quick. There was that guy a few weeks ago who asked about the mesh points. Okay. Hopefully hopefully they're still listening. I got a really good answer on that. Basically, the way it was explained to me is that the goal you know that all back every back is sort of unique in in how they take the football and and how they you know you know just their gait everything's a little bit different with each back but the work towards goal is for the mesh point to be absolutely identical for the benefit of the quarterback so it's not a situation where they ever want the quarterback to have to adapt to a different mesh point the onus is on the backs to receive the ball or to, you know that the pattern, the pattern, the rhythm should be the same for each back. It is not a buyback deal. It is to it, everything is designed to make the, it easier for the quarterback to know what's going to happen or or to know when to pull, when to give that type of deal. So, um, with that being said, I don't know if that's something that they're still working out. That hasn't really been the cause of what they fumbled like that once, right? I think. So. Was it I think one there might mesh- have been a second one that wasn't lost. Okay. Uh, I, know, not... I know they had one against, was it Middle Tennessee down in the yeah. red zone, right? That they Or on this two-point conversion, actually, wasn't it? Wasn't there a two-point conversion? or There was something uh, down by the goal line with Van Sumeren. Yes, yes. I know it was with Van Sumeren. Um, so, with that being said, though, it's really been sort of a, a fumble unluck so far, so I'm going to go with under. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, next the, one. Wait, wait, the weather, the weather though, too. That That's yep. kind of the wild card in that regard. Because if the weather is crap, which it's looking more and more like it is going to be okay, uh, then I think all bets are off in that regard. I mean, because you, you don't know what's going to, you know, happen if, if Mother Nature is a factor at all. That's just a... That's just a fact. No matter what type of offense you run, who you are. So well, it's not total fumbles; it's quarterback fumbles. I don't. I don't think it. Any Either amount way, of but rain you, right. should enable a quarterback. Because a quarterback fumbling. But some of the, it. Who's responsible for you know on a, like well go back to the mesh point stuff. Who's who's statistically responsible if there's a fumble in that scenario? It's the quarterback, right? Um, like if if the if the if the running back never actually receives the ball. You know, and if it's just sort of one of those zone read type situations and the ball squirts out, 
Is that is that a statistic? This is legit question. Is that statistically the quarterback that's responsible for that fumble, or is that the back? Because if the weather is crap, I can see a situation where if you try running a lot of read type stuff, that you may have a couple slipperies. You know, different than let's say the first sack or the first fumble that Patterson had against Army, where that was you know pretty much totally on him. But when you're doing read option type stuff, which you assume if the weather's bad, they're going to try to run the ball a little more than they would throw the ball. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's whatever. I still say under either way, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Okay, I was going to say we got twelve of these, so. Two twenty nine point five passing yards for Michigan. I am looking at the stats. They they exceeded two thirty seven times last year. Did not do so against Wisconsin. Against Wisconsin, they actually only had 124 passing yards. I still think they're going to... I think if Michigan's going to win, they have to air it out. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think I think this is a different Wisconsin team that you are trying to, to pass the ball a lot. Plus, I don't expect it to be a blowout like last year's Wisconsin game where they're just kind of handing the ball off. Um, you know, running back, they don't have... Ron Higdon and Chris Evans ready to go off for more than 300 yards in this game. I'll say over for 229.5. Um, yeah, I just I think the, their best players are on the outside. I think they start to maybe get those get, get the ball to those guys a little bit more. So I'm I'm gonna say over. Whether it end up whether it ends up being by volume or by effectiveness, I just, I just think that they get right. over. Yep. 11 point up oh, up oh, Neil thinly veiled uh injury running back question 11.5 running back touches by Christian Turner um I don't know I don't know how they're going to distribute the carries I'll I'll say over that's not don't read into it I'll just I'll say over it will um, be read into Yeah it will it will that's a <laughs> I'll say over I don't know don't have a lot of evidence to it. Um, I think he's going to... It sounds like he's kind of earned the trust of the coaches. Because he got he he didn't just miss on the one that Shea fumbled. He missed on a couple other ones blocking. And I think... Oh, did Jim Harbaugh say it this week? Someone mentioned that, that Turner's really picked it up. Um, so I'll say I, I bet he gets 12 touches. I... Yes, he says touches, so if he catches a pass, that counts too. Um, Steve, 11.5? Uh, I'll say under. Okay. Next up, Nico Collins, five and a half targets. He has six targets in two games total. So Over, over. Yeah. My only qual- – I'm going to take over two. My only question is it's clear Shea Patterson really likes throwing to Ronnie Bell. He already has targeted him 15 times. And it seems pretty clear that he likes targeting Tariq Black. I think Tariq Black's at 11 targets. Is is Nico not running the right routes? Is he being blanketed? I mean, what's the situation? Is it is he is he not adept at some of the short uh quick quick twitch type routes? Cuz that makes me wonder like I don't think they're like ignoring Nico Collins. They know who he is. And and they they like throwing to him. Or they you know Shea's thrown him to him in the past. I don't know. I just wonder is this scheme 
not to not to draw doubt here, but but is this scheme, you know, Josh Gaddis? I don't believe he's worked with too many receivers that were Colin's size. Is there yeah, something Al- Alan Robinson? Seen? No, sure. I I think I, I I've been saying this all year. I think this is why I picked Bell as my breakout player. Is I think that there was going to be more attention paid to some of the other guys in the passing game that I think it would create opportunity for Bell, which is why I think I wrote, I watched Bell was another one of the players I'm watching this Saturday, especially if people's Jones comes back is that I think, I think that's going to continue to be the case. You know, it's like, do you put your best cornerback on Ronnie Bell? You're probably not going to, you're not going to do that. Not with Collins and people's Jones out there. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's so much about that. Patterson is, preferring to throw the ball to Bell as much as it is that Michigan has had advantageous matchups with Bell. Maybe it's their most advantageous matchup in certain situations. Oh, well, think about the pass they missed against Army. I mean, he was open by two yards. That was a that was a 60, 65-yard touchdown if if the ball is thrown where it's at. You know, and it's obvious that they exploited a, a great matchup for him. And I, I just, I kind of think it's been more not, and I'm not taking anything away from bell. He's done. I know he struggled a little bit against middle Tennessee, but was, was great uh, in the passing game against army is I think that's really been sort of what the case is. I don't think it has anything to do. You know, there's like Allen Robinson. I want to say there was a couple guys that van- are you Jordan- sure Josh Gaddis worked with Allen Robinson? Cause Robinson got drafted in 2014. I don't, didn't Gaddis arrive at Penn state in the fall of 2014. I'm looking right now. Just to be safe, but I'm uh, but also Jordan. I know he worked with Jordan Matthews at Vandy, who he okay. was. I mean, he wasn't a. I don't know if he's like super big guy, but he's not a five ten, five eleven, mm-hmm. uh, type guy. So because that was always the that's what kept Collins out of being a five star. Because I mean six six four two twenty five. You know his catch radius, his wingspan, leaping ability. It was always the quickness. I think was what at least the recruiting. Scouts and analysts seem to to knock him, not necessarily knock him because he's still a high profile recruit, but that's kind of one of the areas that they looked at and said that'd be one area of his game. So I wonder, I mean, it just feels like Shea has found these security blankets in the middle with Ronnie Bell and Sean McCune. But Nico is more of a, of a, you know, 50, 50 ball on the sideline. Now that said, that's why I think it'll be over because I think Michigan is looking at this film and saying, you don't think Nico Collins can catch this pass? You know, remember when Penn State, now this is more Joe Moorhead than, than Josh Gaddis, but they struggled the first few games of the season when Moorhead first got there. And then they said, you know what, Trace McSorley, just just chuck it downfield. You've got receivers who can win these battles. Right. You're I think right, this is the a way. game where they, where they decide that. About Robinson? Yeah, but Deshaun Hamilton drafted Chris Godwin also who has turned into an excellent receiver in the NFL. So he did work with some legit guys at Penn State as well. So Were they big guys? Chris Godwin's, I mean, he's he's again not Nico size, but they're also not 5'11" 6' foot guys either though. They're more like Donovan 6'1" They're both 6'1" six, six, Yeah. I know, but I'm but, I, but I'm Nico's not just also he, Nico's he can also coach one of the guys, yeah. Right, Nico's also one of the fastest He's one of the faster guys on the team. I mean, we saw him last year. How many times was he short-throwed? thrown you know mm-hmm. where he had beaten a guy deep so I don't I, I don't read much into that okay. at all um is is Nico Collins Braylon Edwards fast of course no but not many have ever been Braylon Edwards fast right. so 
Um, but I think he's definitely, it's not a situation where it's a lack of speed in space. You know, there's a reason he's not getting the ball. Michigan might be in trouble if they don't target him six times in this game. I, I or or they're in a very, very good situation. Yep. It's one or the other. Uh, Patterson and McCaffrey combined six and a half rushing attempts, not counting sacks. Does it, as long as it counts scrambles, I'll say over. I don't think it's going to be, I think there'll be a couple scrambles. Uh, but six and a half. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to run. You know, I don't know what's up with the running back position, but um, I think Shea probably would have run more on Saturday against Army last Saturday if he wasn't hurt. And I think this is this is a defense that I think he could get an angle on. And McCaffrey, I feel like, certainly could. So I'll say over. Same. One and a half sacks allowed by offensive tackles, not guards or centers. So Wisconsin has Isaiah Loudermilk. Uh, he was someone that was, I believe he was missing from last year's game. He might not have been. Regardless, he's looking a little bit better this year. Um, they you know, they are going to send their linebackers. It's a 3-4 with you know, plenty of linebackers. Isaiah, Isaiah Green Moss? Green something. Um, he's very good. He's kind of a... He reminds me a little bit of Josh Uche, where he's a hybrid between positions, 6'6", like 225, but very athletic, more athletic than a lot of Wisconsin players have been. Um, you know, Zach Bond is a guy who can get in the backfield. Chris Orr has been around a while. He can get in the backfield. I'll say over, just because I haven't fully seen this offensive line reach what I think is its potential this season. You know, John Runyon will help with that a lot, but you still are talking about redshirt freshmen on the right side. You're talking about an offensive line that has given up three sacks, six sacks in two games. I'll say, I'll say they get, I'll say Wisconsin gets two. Ooh. Yeah, I guess if they are going to get any pressure, it's probably going to be from the edge more so than the middle, right? Especially mm-hmm. down a defensive tackle, and Michigan's interior is is probably its best, most strongest part of the unit. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go with you. I'll go over too. Neil, I look forward to hearing what the number is because that that's something that you can't just look on the box score and check. You gotta you gotta track that one yourself. Um, 149.5 rushing and receiving yards combined from Jonathan Taylor. So I think he, I think he's averaging about that in two games against Michigan. Uh, Michigan has contained him at times. They have also let him free at times. Wisconsin bizarrely did not. And here's I, I'm actually tempted to take the over here because Wisconsin they know that they they lost to Michigan last year in large part because they chose a pass heavy game plan that and kept Taylor on the bench in several third down snaps. Very strange game plan, very strange game. I think they're going to counter the other way. I think they're going to say Jonathan Taylor will be the, for better or for worse, Jonathan Taylor will decide this game. Plus, Taylor has added the the receiving component to his game. I don't know if that holds up against good defenses, but I'm inclined to think it at least partially does. I think he gets over. Same. I agree with you too. I think the game plan will be let's not try to outsmart ourselves here. You know, <laughs> let's give the ball. Well, they had a sort of an it was it was an identity crisis for them. Like it was the weird I mean, 
I can see why they decided him on because a lot of those third downs last year were ended up being third and long, and he was not a receiving threat. I see some logic, but I do agree though that they took him out of the game. Like he was not enough of a factor in that game when the game was still within reach for them. So I think I definitely they're not gonna, you know, they'll learn their lesson from last year. Mm-hmm. Fifty-nine point nine completion percentage from Jack Cohn. I'm gonna say. Under, I'll take the weather and Michigan's defense in that matchup. They do have really good receivers who have high catch rates, but, um, I mean, I feel like LaVert Hill, Ambry Thomas, Vincent Gray are pretty solid. I feel like the weather's going to be, if it's going to look clear, that helps things. I don't know if it's going to be perfectly clear, though. I'm sure it's, I don't, I doubt it's going to be a picture-perfect day. I'll say under. Same, actually. I agree. I, I Like I said, Don Brown eats, like, history says that it will be under. And if, if it's not, that means that he played a, a pretty darn good ball game for them. The only team who, ex- the only team who exceeded a 59% completion rate last year uh, was um, Dwayne Haskins in the, in the 62-point affair. Army was 40%. Middle Tennessee actually had a pretty high rate, but they were doing a lot of screens, a lot of, you know, two-yard passes, things like that, uh, that kind of maybe maybe boost that completion percentage a little bit. Uh, the year prior, Ohio State and Penn State, so McSorley and, and Barrett. Barrett? Yeah, they were the only ones to do it in 2017. So on and so on. This happens every year. Um, so I'll take the under three-and-a-half sacks from Michigan. Interest, very high projection. Maybe maybe Neil knows something I don't know. Wisconsin doesn't give up a lot of sacks. I think Michigan got two last year, and that was with a great... That was with them passing a lot. That was with a great um, defensive front. It included Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, and Rashawn Gary. I'll say under for three and a half sacks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with under. I can see the logic just because Cone is more of a statue, I think, than even Hornerbrook was. Hmm. Last year, I can I can see the logic, but yeah, I think it'll be under. Where is it going to come from? Yeah, Hutchinson, because I, mean, I think Uche. pay I think pay, pay is really important in the running in the running game on Saturday. You know, not saying that he's not going to get his opportunities, but I, I think his role on Saturday will be much more of a you know run stopping type deal. But you know, I don't know. I, I just. Michigan's going to want to try – they're going to go all out to stop the run. I, I just – I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess Brown does not change his philosophy for anybody, though, so I assume that we're going to see some exotic blitz packages like we always do. So, But I, I'm still going to take the safe bet there and go under, I think. Mm-hmm. Five and a half tackles for loss from the front seven. Have they even done that this year? I'm going to take under again. I, you know, Wisconsin's offensive line is pretty good. I don't know if it's – it's not 20 – 18 good and it's not 2017 good but it's still good um and i to your question where is it going to come from does i mean how has michigan done in in tackles for loss this season i don't think that they've racked them up i understand army's a tough team to do that against but even middle tennessee it wasn't like this wasn't they weren't camping out in the backfield um i'll take the under same Cool. Kind of stick with you there. Nothing. No, I mean, I. <laughs> what else can be said? Like you pretty much explained all of that, so I don't need to 
going any more of it. I think it'll be difficult. I, 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 I don't know. The one thing I'm slightly disagreeing with you here on is, I mean, I do think that Wisconsin's offensive line is good, but I mean, four new starters, they haven't, I still just do not believe they've played anybody yet. I, I just, again, I, I do believe Van Lannan especially is going to be a great player. I think we had him ranked as a way higher than the composite did. I know Barton was really big on him and I think he's lived up to it so far, but I, I do think it's, you know, I think the jury is still out on calling them definitely as far as like, I don't know if they're the best offensive line that Michigan's going to face all year. They may be, but I don't know if I could say that definitively yet. So that being said, though, like I'm agreeing with you on the under for sure. All right. I'll let you explain this one first and then I can decide if there's more to add. Uh, 40 and a half yards for Michigan or 40 and a half yards for Wisconsin's longest play from scrimmage. They get a big play here. I think they get one. Okay. I think Taylor. I think Taylor breaks breaks one long run. My opinion. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I just um, isn't isn't again like we. I think we've had some. I think he does one similar to this almost every week. It, it, like Michigan is usually susceptible. Like they usually seem to yield one big play a game. I feel like just about. You know there have been. I mean there have been games where they've let more than one big play up, but a lot of times mm-hmm. I feel like they have one kind of brain fart play. And then they buckled, adjust, buckle down, and and so I'm gonna. I think Taylor breaks one, uh, so I'm gonna say over. By the way, I did look up Van Lannen. He was 73rd in our rankings and 137th in the composite. Oh, so yeah, he was rated pretty high. He we bumped him. Okay, maybe I rephrase that. Then I know we bumped him way before anybody else did. So that was definitely a situation where because I remembered because he's from. Green Bay, which not a heavily scouted area for high school mm. football, and I know we gave him a bump. He was a really, I want to say he was like an All American shot put, or he was some some track event in high school. He was like an All American, and that's really when we started to re rank offensive linemen based on maybe other attributes and like uh, you know some of their other skills. He's sort of that classic undersized tackle who you know is being molded into a a stud. So I know we bumped him up a lot earlier than anybody else did. I know that for a fact. So whatever. When, when, when 24 seven, man, this is, this is great stuff. The rank history page. When 24 seven bumped him into the top 60 in May of 2015, he was ranked 263rd in the composite. So there you go. Pat, pat ourselves on the back for that one. Yeah. No, Barton does a great, like they're really good at finding some of those, diamond in the rough guys as an aside real quick aside i do have a suspicion that caleb tiernan out of detroit country day a big michigan target in 2021 i think may follow a similar path eventually so keep an eye on that one oh there you go some recruiting nuggets uh yeah regarding 40 and a half yards per play yeah i think it happens if not once twice you're right it is i don't know if there's a fact behind it but it is amazing how many even in good defensive efforts you know how many times does Michigan have a just a dud play where some someone ran into somebody or someone missed their assignment? Army, I don't believe had one, but they had a 34-yard pass play, which you don't necessarily expect to happen either. Um, last one for the over/unders: Wisconsin converts on 49.9% of its third down, so 50% or more or less. I'm going to say less. I think Michigan has a good third-down defense. I don't know. Didn't pull up the numbers. That's okay. Just using my eyeballs here. Feel like they have a good third down defense. Um, I feel like they're going to be able to 
get some third and longs that are going to be hard to convert. And I think they're going to be able to get off the field a couple times. I agree. I, I think, yeah, it would be interesting to see how Wisconsin – I'm actually interested to see – nobody ever talks about second down. Second down never gets any love, I don't feel like. But I'm kind of interested to see, you know, because you suspect that Wisconsin probably going to go run heavy on first down. You know, I'm interested to see what they do in second down situations if they only get eight or, you know, if they only get one or two yards, you know, the second and eight and second and nine. Do they do they try to force it with Taylor again or do they go to the air, you know, because for them, I think second down is, is as important as anything to try to set up what your third down is going to be. You know, because if they get into mm-hmm. third and one, third and two situations, you got to feel pretty good if you're Wisconsin. But yeah, you get third and four, third and five, third and six. That's where Don Brown and his scheme can can really cause you a lot of problems. So yeah, I'm I'm under as I'm I'm with you as well. I think they do enough of that to get through. Okay, lastly, score prediction for the game. I've already made mine on on the radio, so I'll just stick with it. Really, really have gone back and forth on it. That's, you know, I'm, I know that's like what the reality shows do before they pick the winner. But um, if Michigan shows more of its offense than than what we've seen, I'll be I'll be wrong. But I'm I predict I try my best to predict based off what I know and what I've seen and and what I believe. Um, have not seen enough for Michigan's offense to believe that it'll be running Wisconsin you know, putting Wisconsin's defense on its heels. So I'm going to say Wisconsin 27, Michigan 24. Have some serious questions about that defense, too. I think they answered the bell in a big way against Army, but Jonathan Taylor's a different kind of beast. And I think, it, you know, I mean, he's he he's only played two games, and he still leads the nation with eight touchdowns. Very, very good player. Um, kind of coming into his own. Technically, you could call it a contract year because – I don't think he's sticking around for a fourth year. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But I've got Wisconsin winning 27-24. to 24. Steve, what say you? Um, so I'm, I'm picking Michigan. Okay. I, I look at it like this. I look at, Especially you could look at last year, Wisconsin smashed Western Kentucky and New Mexico to begin the season. Jonathan Taylor dominated. Mm-hmm. Then they lose to BYU at home in the Hmm. third game of the year, 24 to 21. I want to say two years ago, they did something similar where I think they went two and zero against a couple cupcakes and then lost to Arizona state or either that, or had a really close call against Arizona state. Well, it wasn't 2017 because they didn't lose the whole regular season. Yeah, you're right. Whatever it's, but But, yeah, even last year, even last year though, I'm looking, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, here's the thing. I'm just, I'm having a hard time with Wisconsin as far as buying, just buying, too much into what they've done so far. I just, they have not played anybody in my opinion. Uh, Michigan, I think comes out of the army game already with a big battle. Like they're battle tested. Now, was it expected to be a battle that they'd be tested in? No, but it still happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Michigan wins. I think I feel comfortable. I actually kind of feel comfortable in this too. I, I just, I just think that Michigan is more ready for a big game like this because like I just can't get over the fact that of how bad South Florida and Central Michigan are. I don't care how <laughs> bad they I don't care how bad they beat them. Uh, you know, people are kind of hi- starting to hype Wisconsin up as if they beat like 
I don't know, like LSU or so. I don't know. It's just like there's this – the hype train is kind of building for two wins that really don't mean a lot in my opinion. I think Patterson's healthy. I think Michigan's offense gets it going a little bit. Just like any big game on the road, I think the key is to get off to a good start. I think they do enough to contain Taylor. I still think he gets his. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan 31-23. to 23. I think they win by about a touchdown, whether it's late or whatever if they – Jump out early, but I am picking Michigan again. I, I'm just I would I picked Michigan to win this game before the season, and a close call against Army is not really enough for me to change my opinion. I, that being said, it maybe it's a little unfair to Wisconsin because I'm basically saying there's nothing they could have done in these first two weeks to convince. I was gonna me. say they looked in 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 their defense, they looked about perfect, and they didn't get to pick their opponent. It's not well they right. did, but they didn't know that they were gonna be that bad. Right, but like I said, Miami who hasn't even won is a 30 point favorite over central Michigan. Central Michigan is horrible. You know, I'm sorry, but I just one and 11 last season, one and 11. And like I said, a 30 point underdog to an O and two team on Saturday, you know? And so, yeah, they whooped them, but they should have though. That's kind of the thing you should, you should win it. If you're a top 15, top 20 team, you should be beating a team like that, that badly. So I think I think Michigan uses their experience against Army. I think they kind of take the motivation from all the typical Michigan stuff that they get uh, <laughs> in the public every week. I think they kind of channel it, and and I come out. I think they come out play a good game on Saturday. I think they come out by a touchdown, and then subsequently we are then told that Wisconsin was a fraud and that Michigan hasn't proven anything yet, and that um, you know that. Two weeks from now, the game against Iowa is the biggest game of Jim Harbaugh's tenure so far at Michigan. So, I gotta say, at least, at least, at least the world won't crumble. Right. Um, <laughs> no, it should be a really fun matchup. Check out all of our stories. I, I, I've written quite a bit, but I've got even more coming uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, maybe even Friday afternoon. We'll, we'll see how the how the road trip goes. Uh, but, but big matchup. Whether you whether you want to read the national narratives or not, uh, really fun exciting matchup kind of what you know i for me as a writer who roots for the story not for a team i'm grateful that there are big storylines already in september that i don't have to sit around and wait for all these teams to pad their egos and play i'm glad this is happening right now uh so check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something And we'll see you on Sunday when we discuss this game.